0: Am I on? You can hear me? If you'd like to turn to John 1, please. And I think I need to pray. (laughs) If only only for my sake, but for all of us. Jesus, I just want to thank you for that worship time. It was just great to see you come straight into the, the midst of us, Lord, just like that. And no matter what I say this morning, what I don't say, I just want to pray you continue that and that you would be seen and that everybody here would see a glimpse of you uh, this morning as the priority. In your mighty name, amen. Okay. So we've been continuing a series on John 1. And I was quite pleased to uh, be given this sort of topic a few months ago. Um, It's quite easy to talk about Jesus for 30 minutes to an hour. But then I wasn't quite sure, sure because there's just too much to say. and I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in. But uh, bear with me. We're going to flash right through it. So we'll do a little bit of a recap. We'll start right at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made That was made. We've already heard from Phil and Steve about how Jesus was coming in like dramatically, like it was in Genesis at the time of the creation, in the beginning, just like in Genesis, in the beginning. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. Nigel brought us the word about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. This has all been a drum roll (laughs) Uh, up for the major appearance suddenly. And I've got this verse, which is what I'm going to be focusing on. The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And I'm going to do my best <laughs> to explain what that means and uh, what that means for us. So what does it mean that Jesus is the true light? Now, I'm going to cover a little bit of the sort of theology and the yes, I've got some Greek words, but the priority is to discover what does it mean? What is Jesus like? Who is He? And it's more personal. Uh, it's got to be personal, and that's why I'm going to use four testimonies, four mystery guests, and we're going to be taking it from their points of view. Don't get too excited. It's not right. <laughs> uh, four mystery guests uh, who have all met Jesus and who've all, in different ways, experienced something of Him. So first up, it's probably no great surprise. It's the guy who wrote the book, John, the Apostle. I thought we could just quickly mention what was John's purpose in writing this gospel. I think it's already been mentioned by a few of the preachers before, but we're all going to be stepping on each other's toes, I think, because the verses are so closely intertwined. Um, Some people believe it was John wanted to make it clear Um, there may have been some false teaching going around at the time we don't know that for certain but it's possible but more than that John's gospel stands out from the other three in in that it's he doesn't go to great pains to explain in detail everything that happened it wasn't about the event so much as focusing on who Jesus was it was like a, a, a personal testimony of who is this Jesus. And we know what John was like. We know what his relationship was like with Jesus. And I, I just feel his gospel is just like a, a love letter in a way. It's this is the man I knew. This is the man I love. Um, and this is what the gospel is about. And he actually writes it down, you know, what, what was the purpose of his gospel anyway. So you can look this up. Otherwise, I'll just read it now. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're looking at belief. We're looking at life uh, from Jesus Christ. I thought just before we move on to talk a little bit about his experiences. Obviously he was with Jesus on earth but something or a couple of events which perhaps coloured the way he was writing if you look up in Matthew 17 he had a glimpse even then of what Jesus was really like obviously he was a man um, and scripture tells us that there was nothing in his appearance that drew us to him but somehow the veil was lifted a period of time um, at the transfiguration you can look this up later in Matthew uh, 17 Um, and the description if I can find it written here he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light Also, although this may have been actually after the, the gospel was written, I, I'm not, I couldn't figure it out whether it was or not. We don't know for sure. It still gives an idea of you know, what is John's perception of who this Jesus was. And if you look also in Revelation, um, if I can find it in my notes, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his chest with a golden band his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sounds of many waters he had in his right hand many seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength This is more than just poetry. Um, John saw the glorified Jesus, and it is more than just... um, When he talks about Jesus being the true light, we can imagine that the true light was coming into the world. We can imagine it like someone bringing a candle into a room, or someone switching a hundred watt light bulb on or now we can see. Uh, No. (laughs) That knowing who John is, knowing what John saw, knowing him knowing who Jesus was, I think it's more following on from what he was describing of Genesis. This is creation. And if you want to compare it to something, the light coming into the world, it's like the burst of... All light, all power suddenly appearing on the scene. This is what we need to be thinking of when John is writing. The true light is coming into the world. This is a new genesis. Something is re-creating the world. Okay. So, a few more details. That's just the intro. (laughs) What is the true light? What does John mean when he calls Jesus true? And for this slide and the next slide, credit should go to Don Carson and his excellent book. Thank you, Phil. Uh, Greek. Elephinos. Elephinos. And that word for true means true. <laughs> uh, real or genuine. That may be part of the meaning of true in this case, in that it kind of implies that there were untrue lights, um, and that's true. I mean, there are false preachers. There are false sources of information. Jesus was now the true and the genuine. Uh, But actually, I think, I'm convinced, it actually means something else or something more than that. It means real, genuine, but also ultimate. The completion, the summing up of every other meaning of true. The reason I'm convinced is because this isn't the first time John uses the expression true. Jesus is the true bread. He's also the true vine. And in the context of, if you look in those verses, true bread is sort of, written against in contrast to manna manna is not a bad thing, it's not an untrue thing it was from God it was good but it wasn't the true bread it wasn't the ultimate bread the vine of Israel that was the source of God's promise and was holding his promise Jesus was the true vine the promise is now coming through him life is now coming through him You could say the true light is now versus the Torah or the word. Um, The summing up of Moses and the prophets. um, Which is good. It was true. But now Jesus is coming and he's summing up everything. His now appearance on the scene. Now it's all coming together at this apex. In John 8.12... Jesus caused a bit of a stir. <laughs> was, he said, made this statement, uh, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And it was at this time, it was during the Feast of Tabernacles and a, a major event was celebrating you know, God's promises through the word and it was a big affair. there would be having huge lights dangling in the temple and there'd be all sorts of ceremonies where the priest would throw out water to, to symbolize the life-giving water of God and Jesus stood up said no (laughs) Uh, I'm the true uh, I'm the light of the world and streams of living water will come out of me (laughs) Uh, Jesus makes it quite clear when he talks about the true light he is now the ultimate light so what does John mean when he talks about the true light Enlightening everyone. This got me a bit confused, really, <laughs> and I hope I don't confuse you. Um, what does enlightens everyone mean? Greek word, photise. You can see photo coming from that. Uh, and that means uh, sheds light on. <laughs> uh, again, So there are two, again, possible meanings. The the blatantly obvious one, uh, sheds light upon or makes visible, exposes. The second, I'll, I'll skip and just mention it now, is also, we've also heard mention of it today, is to illuminate, but in an internal sense, to bring knowledge, to bring understanding, to illuminate our hearts. Now, it's not really clear which one John meant, and there are lots of different views, and I no one which I'm probably convinced of. <laughs> and that's probably the first, that sheds light upon and makes visible. The reason... Being, I don't think it's necessarily the second one, although I think maybe he's alluding to the second one. The second one talks of salvation, of Jesus reintroducing us back to God, the illumination of our souls. But as we read further on, uh, if you look in verses 10 and 13, I don't know who's doing that sermon next. I won't go into great detail. It shows that Jesus' arrival was bringing division. Um, people uh, not everyone was being enlightened <laughs> perhaps everyone was being exposed uh, people were either coming to the light or running away from it similarly in verse chapter 3 verse 19 to 21 um, we see that the light was still being rejected by those because they still loved darkness for fear that their deeds would be exposed. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he polarized everyone. <laughs> they were either drawn to him or their backs were put up by him. Um, there, was, uh, there was no alternatives. You don't read in the Gospels of anybody feeling indifferent about him, oh he's a nice guy Uh, I I can take him or leave him it's never like that with him (laughs) Uh, we've had, if you've come to the uh, the life alpha course the most recently we've had, who is Jesus was the question, and C.S. Lewis as we've heard quoted a couple of times was, made it quite clear um, we can only have two perceptions he's either going to be evil or mad, and someone we shouldn't follow, or who's going to be the son of God. Um, when Jesus shone on people through his word and through his actions, through he was, uh, there was no hiding from making that decision. So in this context, I believe that it's the first meaning um, that Jesus' arrival, true light, was shedding light on the darkness, that people had to make a choice but (laughs) I think it's also reasonable (laughs) you can make an argument for the second that Jesus now coming uh, the light of life the summing up of the 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 word the summing up of uh, the bread the vine was now bringing life into people's hearts he was illuminating uh, and giving knowledge of the glory of God Obviously, that is very much supported by Scripture everywhere else. <laughs> and that's why, perhaps, um, we need to move on to someone else's uh, perception or someone else's witness of who Jesus was. And we won't play guessing games. Let's start with Paul. <laughs> and just like John, let's cover a little bit of his experience. You can look this up if you want to. Acts 9.1. On the road to Damascus. If we're talking about enlightening or illumination of the soul and understanding uh, who Jesus is, then this is the moment for Paul. Um, You can read it through as you like now, but I'm just going to quickly summarize that John was, uh, Paul, as you may or may not know, was very much a Pharisee. Uh, he was a religious leader who was very much anti-Christians, anti-Christ. And he was on his way to Damascus to start persecuting some more Christians. But he was halted by a bright flash of light. Um, and it was at that time that God spoke to him. Jesus Christ spoke to him. And we know that Paul saw... Jesus Christ by his his own confession uh, he does say you know, am i not free am i not an apostle have i not seen Jesus our lord this is paul's first experience of the true light <laughs> seeing him now i'm not going to say that for all of us we're going to be if you want to become a christian today you're going to be blinded for several days <laughs> by a bright flash of lightning in front of your face i think paul's case is Um, exceptional but not necessarily just for him (laughs) but I think it sheds light on where he's coming from when he talks in 2 Corinthians 3 17 to chapter 4 verse 6 I would like you to look this up and we'll read this one please Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus sake for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ I was very happy to read that last verse so it's summed up everything I've talked about so far in Paul almost makes comment again of the sort of Genesis experience For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. And he has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, This new creation is something we've already been talking about uh, through the worship and through the sermon Through the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ saves us. It changes us. It recreates us from the inside out. Um, And I know this is going to be someone else's sermon, I think, in the next few weeks. So a lot more can be said on this. Um, But I will move on. (laughs) Uh, Another point to sort of bring out of this passage, though is the effect this has had on his life and on all our lives for those of us who are saved. Yes. Yeah, so that is, you know, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. So I'm now skipping over and moving on to the, the practical bit, the, the take-home messages. Let's look up Ephesians 5, 8 to 14. What does it mean for us now, for those of us that are saved? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Becoming a Christian means we have now been changed we are now children of light jesus creation coming into the world as light is now infecting us with the same light we are being recreated like him and like him we can't be entertaining darkness um Rather, Paul tells us to try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord, not to take any part in uh, unfruitful works of darkness, because, not because that's going to lose us our salvation. Uh, once we are recreated, that's it. As we've heard today, um, I think from what the, the word which Nigel brought, you know, the sins are gone. We are now... Uh, wholly changed the light is now us we are now beings of light but that doesn't necessarily stop us from still uh, sinning and entertaining things which we knew of before of darkness it's just unbecoming John has something else to say on this if you want to look in his 1 John 1 from verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But... If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's a very high bar set, uh, and we should all be aiming for it, to walk as children of light, to be... Blameless, to be completely free from any darkness at all, just as he uh, is completely free from darkness. But it's always helpful when they put in a but, isn't it? <laughs> if we sin. So uh, that makes it clear that even though we are to walk in the light, as he is in the light, John sort of makes it clear that if we do stumble, uh, we need only to go to our advocate and ask him again. So that was so there's no condemnation. I didn't intend any condemnation when I was talking uh, about having to be like the light. But there, there is the requirement on us to really make uh, attempts to, to really seek out Those things in our lives that are not uh, mimicking, not being like the light of God. Now, in Ephesians, if we went back to that earlier on in the chapter, it lists some of the things that those um, are. Includes fornication, covetousness, and coarse jesting and foolish talking. (laughs) Uh, I can't say that I am free. from uh, foolish talking Um, but even that is a taint uh, on our lives and are we really seeking that out and trying to really remove that darkness from our lives Um, I thought at this point it might be good to put in a third testimony someone who doesn't uh, belong to be in the same sort of echelons as John and Paul, but who's humble enough to admit to their failings. Uh, Me? (laughs) I'm your third witness. Um, What does it mean to me to know Jesus Christ, the true light? Um, And I probably said this to a few people before. I think I've said it in the youth before. There was a particular time in my life when this really meant something to me I was visiting uh, a church in Nigeria where amazing miracles were happening and I wanted to go because I wanted to meet God and I was really excited Um, when I got there I met God but I didn't enjoy it (laughs) Um, I don't know if you know this but sometimes the presence of God isn't pleasant or comfortable sometimes it's downright uncomfortable and it was for me and I felt almost literally like a spotlight was on me and I was exposed Um, it was good for me I didn't enjoy it and God actually very very clearly directly to me and through other people pinpointed several you could call them small sins in my life Uh, even a couple of big sins. Uh, This is the work of Jesus Christ. Um, He shines a light to change us, to create life in us, but his ongoing work of illumination exposes uh, those things in our lives because he wants us to be more and more like him. What happened to me was amazing, actually. (laughs) Um, I won't go into the details because it's, you know, you don't, Always tell everything about special occasions like that. But the next few years, my life completely changed. Um, it took went on off a completely different tangent. I was a student, a university student before then. I was a very lax and Christian who just go went with the flow, did whatever I was told. Within the course of 40 day, 80 days, I read the whole Bible. Uh, I just Caught on fire. <laughs> um, this is what it means to me to meet the true light. Um, and I'm not meaning to, you know, again, I'm not trying to put more condemnation on because all the while God was giving me this verse as well. Uh, Hebrews 12, He disciplines the ones He loves. All of the exposing is out of love. If He's doing that in you, you know why He's doing it in you. I felt like I was having surgery, which is painful at the time, but the effect is dramatic afterwards. So when we go through this kind of discipline, it's for our good, because he wants us to share in his holiness. He is light, he is the light of life. What happens if we share in that light? We get his life, and I experience that uh, in a very real uh, and positive sense. So I mean that as an encouragement (laughs) and I've purposely sort of finished at this point fairly quickly uh, because I wanted to give time for the fourth testimony. Um, The jellyfish man. (laughs) Some of you may or may not have heard of him, Uh, he's been touring the world for about thirty years now Uh, and I think looking at his schedule he's actually in London as we speak uh, and he's doing another sermon in the evening in London if you wanted to go all the way down Um, (coughs) Now, his testimony, I'll just quickly brief you because I'm not going to play the whole testimony, it goes on for an hour I'm going to play twenty minutes if there's time Um, maybe (laughs) he was uh, an atheist He's a New Zealander, so you may have a bit of difficulty with his accent. He was stung by five box jellyfish, which, as you know, one of them is enough to kill you. And he died. And he has evidence to say that he was probably dead for at least 15 minutes. And obviously these kind of testimonies are always very controversial. And there will be a lot of opinions as to whether this is true, whether he was truly dead or whether there was some mistake but he himself admits that he doesn't know whether it was a dream whether it was a vision whether like John in Revelation was he taken up in the spirit or had he actually died and been translated Um, but whatever your opinion may be of that I am pretty sure in my own mind that he truly experienced uh, Jesus Christ the true light And it changed his life. Uh, If you want to hear the rest, you can borrow it from me. (laughs) Um, I think that just sort of summed it up nicely. Whatever you believe as to what actually happened, I believe that. You could only have met the one person. It just leaves me to ask... uh, Are you uh, the fifth witness? And if you haven't had the experience of of meeting uh, Jesus in that way, Phil, if you could perhaps just do one song, then please let someone know because you can meet him today if you want to. Amen. Thank you very much.